Good to see you guys. Looking good. Welcome to Edinburgh Church. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Joshua. If you don't know who I am, I'm the director of ministry. Also, just want to give a quick shout out if you're joining us online as well. Thanks for tuning in this morning. And uh, we have been in a series titled Beyond. <clears throat> and the purpose of the series, well, is to kind of push us to go beyond. If I could just speak, be, maybe be a little more frank about that. I really think part of the heart behind this series, and I really appreciate Brent and this vision and the direction that he's trying to lead us as of late, is to kind of just to say, hey, let's get a little more proactive. Let's kind of start to turn the corner a little bit more on being a bystander Christian, and let's get fully engaged. Let's fully engage with God and what he's doing in the world. And I really think that's, that's a lot of the purpose behind this series. Now, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I know for me, I need a kick in the pants sometimes. <laughs> I just do. I need a kickstart. And that is really a lot of the heart behind this series. Well, today, I want to talk to you about moving beyond our seats. That's the title of today. Now, what do I mean by beyond our seats? I'm talking about serving. Now, let's be honest. The moment you heard that, some of you groaned inwardly. Just confess it. Okay, I heard you. Even the quiet ones. I heard you. Okay, I know it's not necessarily a popular topic. In fact, I would equate it with going to the dentist. Now, <clears throat> by show of hands, who are the people in here who enjoy going to the dentists? I want to see you. Okay, you are not my people. Okay, I love you, but there's something wrong with you. Okay. There's something just not right about that. Going to the dentist, to me, is the equivalent of subjugating myself and paying someone to torture me. I don't like going to the dentist. I remember this one time, I kid you not, I went and I swear the gal that cleaned my teeth was in the room next door sharpening the floss. <laughs> okay? I'm, it hurts so bad. My teeth... My gums hurt for like a week. And now listen, I'm a regular flosser, so you can't sit there and say, it's probably because you don't floss. I'm a regular. The woman, I've, needless to say, I don't go to that dentist anymore because there was a bunch of sadists. But anyways, I don't like the dentist. <laughs> here's, how, here's how going to the dentist is like serving. I was thinking about this. If, if you're normal, sorry, you kind of dread going to the dentist. I, I dread going to the dentist. You squirm a little. I squirm right. I get anxious. I even get like sweaty palms in the dentist. I probably white knuckle, the, you know. I sit there. But then what happens? You get out of the chair and you walk out to your car and you're like, man, my teeth feel amazing, right? You're like, I never knew they could be this clean, Serving, I think, is a little bit like that. You might squirm at the idea of serving. You might even get sweaty palms. I have no idea, especially if you work with the toddlers. But after you do it, after you meet a need, you know what you do? You realize, man, it's good. It's good that you did something. Now, can I tell you a little, tell you a little secret about serving? Serving is the secret to greatness. It's not about being rich. It's not about having a full bank account. It's not about the number of trophies on my mantle. It's not about popularity or prestige. 
Serving. Serving is the secret to greatness. But don't take my word for it. This is not what Josh said. This is what Jesus said. Look at what he says in Matthew 23. He says this. The greatest among you. You want to be a great person. The greatest among you will be your what? Servant. Jesus said the greatest among you will be your servant. Now the greatest servant who ever walked this earth the greatest model, right, of serving was Jesus Christ. Jesus even said this about himself in Mark chapter 10. He said, for even the Son of Man, that's a title that he had for himself, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was the greatest servant who walked the earth, which allowed him to have what? The greatest impact while on earth. And he says to you and me, if you want to have the greatest impact with your life, it comes through serving others. Now, this is true in any area of life. You don't have to be in a church to realize how important it is to serve people. Any wise boss knows that if you're going to be a good boss, you've got to serve the people that work for you. Any good business knows that if you're going to be a good business, you've got to serve the customer. Any school that wants to be great knows that it starts with serving the kids. Any community, I would even say even any country that wants to be great, it starts with the way that we serve. Now, let's just address the, the, the stereotype because I think a lot of us can have this warped picture of a servant. We tend to, at least I know my brain, I can go to this picture of a servant as somebody who is weak, who gets pushed around, who doesn't have anything else to do sometimes, somebody with, they have no vision, they maybe even have low self-esteem. Now, I think sometimes we can actually, what we're actually picturing is a slave, not a servant. Now, God tells us very clearly in the Bible that he doesn't want us to be a slave to anything. Jesus came to set us free. There's a big difference between being a slave and being a servant. And Jesus is going to show us what a servant truly looks like. And we're going to learn, and I'm going to challenge us, that a servant, by, uh, uh, what a servant looks like by looking at an experience that Jesus had with his disciples. It takes place in this little room above a house where Jesus and his disciples have gathered to eat the Passover meal together. Now, the disciples don't know it yet, but the next day, Jesus is going to die on a cross. This is what's called the Last Supper. And during this meal, Jesus does something that displays for us what it means to serve. What it means to, honestly, go beyond our seats. Do you know what he did? I have a feeling most of you know exactly what he did, but here's what he did. He washed his disciples' feet. That's it. Now, as we read through this and what happens, I'm hoping that today it's just going to come a little more alive to you as we let it soak in. And I want you to get this feeling that this is really a pivotal moment for the disciples. Like, man, something really important is happening here. Now, the experience that we're going to look at, it's recorded in John 13. And what happened, I believe, would eventually alter the disciples' lives. They would finally get it. And I'm convinced that if we let this soak in, if we reflect on this, it could actually alter our lives as well. So what, what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to look at Jesus' example. I want to draw out five truths, five things that we can learn 
about what it truly means to serve others. Okay? Now, the very first thing that I see right from Jesus, right from the get-go, is his heart. The very first thing is that this. Servants love. Servants love. Let me ask this question. When did Jesus exemplify his love to his disciples? When did he best show them his love? It wasn't when he taught them. It wasn't even when he did miracles. It was when he served them. Look at this first verse in John 13. There's a reason John wrote these words. Listen to this. He was one of those guys, by the way. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the what? Full. Full extent of his love. See, to serve others at its core is to love. Jesus deeply loved his disciples, and that's why he served them. This first point that I want to make, you know what it really is showing us? It's showing us the motivation behind serving. Serving others should be motivated by love. If, it, if serving isn't motivated by love, if it's motivated by fear or guilt or anything else, I'm just telling you, it's not going to last. But when it's motivated by love, then all of a sudden you're going to find this fulfillment that comes from serving. Let's just talk honestly about motivation for a minute. Now, Jesus here is like the perfect model of motivated love. He's God in human flesh. He is perfect and pure and continually motivated by love. Now, how about you and me? Can any of us in this room say, oh yeah, every moment of every day, I have been perfectly, purely, and continually motivated by love. Well, of course not. That would be ridiculous. We're a mess. Let's just be honest with each other, right? We are a hot mess of continuous and conflicting motivations. I am not like Jesus. And I hate to break it to you, you aren't either. Friends, the question isn't, are you perfectly motivated by love? Because we're not. We're human. We're flawed. The question is, are you growing in the motivation of love? I will never achieve the perfection of loving purely like Jesus in this lifetime, but I can be growing in the motivation of love because the more we're motivated by love, the more we are strengthened to serve. And the more we're strengthened to serve, do you know what we achieve more of in our lives? What Jesus calls true greatness. So how do we do that? Right? We got to go there. Okay, how do we stay motivated? Where does that motive, how do we get our motivation tanks filled? Where do I find it? Because if you try to manufacture it within yourself, you're going to find, man, you're running on empty most of the time. The Bible tells us. In fact, the same guy who wrote the book of John wrote this in 1 John in chapter 4. Here's what he said. He says, we love because, can you finish it for me? He first loved us. It starts here. It starts with his love. That's where you get your tank filled. Because he loves me, then I can love others. Don't try to start with, the love, with your love because you don't have enough. Now, I have no doubt that some of you have more than others. I, think, I believe some of you could go weeks on your own love. Some of you could maybe even go years. But I would also wager to guess that some of you are so tired that you'd last about five minutes and you'd be fried. John says, no, no, no. Look at God's love for you first. How deeply he loves you. How unconditionally he loves you. Let that be the motivator 
of your love for other people. Then you've got something that can keep you motivated for the rest of your life. Friends, listen to me. God's love tank for you never runs out. Ever. It is a continuously filled cistern. Now, you may not always love what you're doing when you serve. Let's just be honest. I can pretty much promise you, you won't always love what you're doing, but you'll love the people that you're serving. I don't know of any parent ever who has ever said, you know, man, you know what I love the most about, about parenting? Changing dirty diapers. I mean, that is just the best. I was always sad when it was over. Said no parent ever. You change the diapers because you love your kids. You love the people that you're serving. It starts with motivation. You serve not because you're supposed to or because you have to or because you need to. You serve because you love. The more you grow in that motivation, the more you're fulfilled with serving others. Man, let God's love be the motivation for your love for others and just watch the greatness God will bring into your life. That's the first thing Jesus teaches us in this moment. Second thing is this. And I never really realized this until I I got into it a little more and I dug a little bit deeper. But servants know who they are. Deep down, they know who they are. Along with strong motivation, servants have a strong sense of identity and their serving grows out of the confidence that comes from knowing who they are. They're not serving trying to prove who they are or get other people to affirm who they are. They already know who they are. And out of that confidence... They serve. We're like, where are you getting this from? Well, look at verses 3 and 4 about Jesus. Jesus knew. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and he was returning to God. Don't miss that phrase. He knew who he was in the eyes of his dad. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. Friends, Jesus is going to serve out of the security of knowing who he is. He knew he was in control. He knew God was putting all power on him. He could have chosen to do anything because all all things were under his power. But what did he choose to do? He chose to serve. This is what enabled Jesus, knowing who he was, to serve others at the moment, by the way, of his greatest pressure. What was going to happen the next day? He's going to go to the cross. He knows what he's facing, and yet he still chose to serve the disciples. Friends, to serve well, man, we've got to be listening to what God says about us and let that develop our identity first. I've found personally that Satan constantly attacks my identity. He tries to make me insecure about who I am because guess what? When I do that, who am I focusing on? Myself. And when I do that, I can't see the needs and the hurt in the people around me because I'm so busy focusing on me. Now, as we talk about this thing of identity, I think it's important to talk about That there's a difference, and I want to draw this out, between being codependent 
and being a servant because I think it can look just the same on the outside, but they're actually different. You see, if you're codependent, it means that you're doing something for someone hoping that it will make you feel better about yourself. It's really, it's putting another person in the God position in your life. They're the ones that are going to meet the needs of my life and make me feel good about myself. See, listen, you can look like the best person in town, but on the inside, it's not because you have a strong identity. It's because you're actually trying to find an identity. You're trying to find worth from some other person. It's entirely different than serving. Friends, serving is starting with the strength that God loves me, that God meets my needs, and then giving to others out of that strength. There's a difference. We live in a day, right? There's a lot of identity theft going on. Spiritually, I think there's a lot of identity theft that's going on, even in our church. Every day, Satan is trying to steal from you the sense of identity, your true identity of who you are in Christ. All he has to do is get you to listen to your circumstances and what other people say about you to steal your identity. But anytime you go back to listening to God, and listen to what he says about you, it's going to strengthen your identity. Then you will become the kind of servant that God wants you to be. Servants, deep down, they know who they are. Third, servants meet needs. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Kind of a no-brainer, right? Servants meet needs. It means that I'm meeting somebody's need. Jesus met a need in the lives of the disciples that night. Now, it was an obvious need. They all had really dirty feet. It was one of the most obvious needs of that day because we know this. There were no paved roads. Okay, There were no sidewalks. You walked around on dirt all day. And when you came into the house, you had dirty feet. And unless somebody washed your feet, the house got filled with mud. It was just a fact. Nobody was there to wash the disciples' feet as they walked in. They all had dirty feet. Now picture this. That night, remember, this was a meal they were getting together for the last supper. That night, one of the disciples picked up the lamb, right? Got the lamb ready. One of them got all the place settings and set the table. One of them picked up the wine, probably set out the cups. But no one, did you notice, was stepping up to wash the feet. Nobody was doing that. They walk into the room, and they start to play this game. Now, maybe you've played this game. I call it the whose turn is it to serve game. You know what I'm talking about. My kids are pros at this game, by the way. Sorry, kiddos. I love you. It's the game where you go, okay, I set the table. It's your turn to take out the trash. You ever done that? Sometimes we play this game, and we don't even say it out loud, but we're thinking it. You know you are. Don't deny it. It's the whose turn is it to serve game. We all do this to some degree. Okay, how about the disciples? I bet there was some of this game going on that night, right? Well, I got the lamb. It's your turn to serve. You wash the feet. Not me. I set the table. You wash the feet. No, I got the glasses. I I did this. I did that. It's your turn to serve. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever come across anything in the Bible about taking turns. I haven't yet. Love one another when it's your turn. 
Serve one another when it's your turn. I haven't found this in the scriptures yet. You know what I see over and over? It's just love. It's just serve. But, but we do this. We, we play this game, the whose turn is it to serve game. Jesus walks into the room and he sees this game being played. And here's what he does. Verse 5. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He doesn't play the game. He just serves. Jesus starts scrubbing muddy man feet. Gross. Can we disagree? That's disgusting. That's not a good job. Foot after foot after foot. Now, if I'm doing my math right, that's like 24 feet. You know, 12 disciples, you can check my math later, but he's scrubbing these feet again and again and again. He's meeting the need. He refuses to play the whose turn is it to serve game. You know what he's doing? He's facing head on the attitude of entitlement. God in human flesh washed dirty feet. He's showing us what serving is all about. He's showing us there's only one true kind of greatness, and it's the greatness of service. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like today? Because, you know, we've got nice, comfortable shoes today. This isn't really an issue. What does washing feet look like today? Because back then, right, everybody washed feet. You walked in the room, everybody had dirty feet. There was a need, and Jesus met that need. That is serving. You see a need, you fill a need. Well, I just want to take a moment, and yes, this is a shameless plug, but guys, hear my heart. This is so important. I just want to take a moment, and I want to highlight the need for servants right here at Edinburgh. Hear my heart. One of our beyond goals is to raise volunteerism 20% by December, and you can help us achieve that goal today. Now, when you came in, maybe you found a card that looked like this on your seat or on the seat next to you. I would just encourage you to take that and take a look at it. It has some general areas that you can serve. And all you got to do is check a box, okay, that you'd be interested. And here's what we'll do. We're going to follow up with you. We're going to dialogue with you about where might be a good fit. And I just encourage you. You can do this right now while I'm talking. Take the card, look at it, check a box, and I would encourage you to take it, drop it in one of the giving boxes, or just set it right on connection point. And I will grab these and someone will follow up with you. Now, I also just want to make a little plug here that this list is not extensive. These are kind of areas. I also just want to call a little shout out the one that says custodial. Should say custodial facilities because we've got needs around here. The building, the landscaping, the yard work. These are all things that need help. Okay? So I just want to say, guys, give it a shot. Now, you might be sitting there like, well, well I don't know which one I'd be best at. Guys, just check one. <laughs> if you're terrible at it, then we'll find something else. You can try it. It's not like you're stuck with it for the rest of your life. You're just getting started. You, you're, you're seeing a need, and you're saying, hey, I can fill a need. Guys, here's some of the needs that we have as a church. Would you be willing to just check a box and say, I can help with that? It's the simple choice to begin to meet a need. Fourth, <clears throat> Here's, also, here's what else I learned from Jesus. Servants serve imperfect people. 
People are not perfect. And because we serve imperfect people, it's going to cause us to face disappointment when we serve because people will let you down sometimes. Ever experienced that before? Because we serve imperfect people, that causes us to face sometimes deep hurt and pain as we serve because they might even reject the way that you're trying to serve. Jesus models for us while serving the disciples that we are called to serve imperfect people. Jesus was serving imperfect people when he washed their feet. I mean, let's just look at the list for a moment. First, consider the whole group, okay, all 12 of them. Did you know that the disciples walked into the room that night and started an argument. This is how the night started. They come into the room and they start arguing about who's the greatest. Luke actually records this for us in Luke 22. Verse 24 says this, Then a dispute also arose among them about who should be considered the greatest. Guys, this is happening that same night. This is the night of the Last Supper. Now, maybe you have this picture of the Last Supper, and it's not quite a picture of what really happened. We tend to picture what? We think we have this worshipful place with hushed tones. Man, and everybody's just really focusing in on Jesus. That's not what it was like at all. We get, we get that picture in our minds of Leonardo's right painting of the Last Supper. And it's like, hey, guys, let's all line up on one side of the table and take a picture. That is not what happened. No. Man, it wasn't like that at all. When they came in and they reclined at the table, it wasn't a quiet, holy place at all. There was this argument going on because they thought, what did they think? They thought, Jesus is coming to take the kingdom. They thought, man, he's going to be king in a few days. And they were arguing about who gets to sit beside him on the throne. Jesus knows that he's going to die the next day, and this is the mess that he walks into. How would you feel if you were Jesus in this moment, right? You've been with these guys for three years. You've talked to them again and again about serving, putting others first. He walks in on the last night, and they still haven't gotten it. Now, i got to be honest. If I was Jesus, I would have been like, are you serious, you guys? You're all fired. Get out of here. I'm starting over with 12 new people. That's what I would have done. But instead, what does Jesus do? He served them. He serves them. He served people who were imperfect, who let him down. How about Judas? He washed Judas' feet. He washed the feet of the very guy who was going to betray him. Judas knew he was going to betray Jesus, and Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, yet what did he do? He washed his feet. How about Peter? you got to love Peter, right? He gets to Peter, and Peter says, No, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said this, Man, listen, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Man, <laughs> I'm so glad Peter is represented in the disciples because I think he represents a lot of us. Can you agree? He's so sure of himself, right? And he's so wrong. So many times. But man, he is still so loved by God. That's true of every one of us. People will tell you sometimes, ah, you don't need to serve me. Serve him anyway. Serve him anyway. 
That's what Jesus did with Peter. He just kept serving no matter what, no matter what people said, no matter what people are going to do, what they had done. He just kept serving. Man, servants serve imperfect people. People are going to disappoint you as you serve. I guarantee it. But remember, listen, remember, you're not serving for their affirmation. You're serving because of God's love for you and the difference it can make in somebody else's life. People will disappoint you, but you can choose to serve, to keep serving. Don't let that disappointment steal from you the greatness of serving others. There's one final thing that that I learned, that we can learn from Jesus that night. And it might even be the most important thing. It also might be the hardest thing. Is that servants are humble. Servants are humble. Did you know the Greek word for humility actually means to stoop low? That's literally what Jesus did that night. He stooped low. He got down and he washed their feet. Now, if I'm going to be the kind of servant that really sees God at work in my life, through my life, I'm just telling you, I know that I know humility is one of the keys. Washing feet in Jesus' day, it wasn't some showy ceremony, right? It was a menial, dirty task. And Jesus humbly chose to serve to meet the need. The next day, he chose to humbly go to the cross to meet the need for forgiveness. Guys, listen to me. Do you want to know what kind of servant God loves? A humble servant. Look at Matthew 23. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Guys, the greatest servants know that the greatest barrier to meeting a need is pride. It's my proud heart. You're going to have to deal with God on your own about your heart, but I'm standing before you to say, I know my heart. It is proud more than I care, more than often than I care to admit. I know how I can get caught up. I can focus on what other people think rather than serving them out of God's love for me. I know I can focus on how it's going to make me feel or look about myself rather than knowing that God loves me and just serving out of that truth. Guys, my proud heart gets in the way all the time. You know what it gets in the way of? Greatness. If you're going to be a servant, if you're going to be a great servant, you're going to have to deal continually in your life with the issue of pride. We all battle this. I know I do. But listen carefully. Friends, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. It's valuing them by serving them. Let's just put ourselves, okay, put yourselves in the place of the disciples that night. Jesus has washed your feet. How are you feeling right now? Maybe you're feeling a little embarrassed Maybe they're like, this is really awkward. Maybe you're feeling a little confused. Like, why is he doing this, right? And now Jesus has something to say, okay? Yeah, he met the need. There was a need. He washed your feet. But now he's going to teach us something. I want you to hear this 
these words of Jesus, starting at verse 12. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, because that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you a, what? Example. That you also should do as I have done for you. When they walked into that upper room that night, think about it. Everything was there prepared for someone to serve. The pitcher of water was there. The wash basin was there. The linen cloth was there. It simply just took somebody to take it up and begin to serve. The question is this next week, and I'm, I'm talking to me too, okay? The question is, what's God going to ask you this next week to take up? What need is going to come into your view and you're going to say, I can do that. I can do that. And then what do you do? You take it up. This next week, I can almost promise you because I've lived long enough with God because he has a sense of humor, I can almost promise you, you're going to meet some people who have dirty feet. Okay, maybe not physically, but certainly spiritually and emotionally, you're going to meet some people who have dirty feet and God is going to ask you to take up a towel spiritually, figuratively, and serve them. Jesus said, greatness is found in service. The greatest blessings in your life will come in those places that you choose to serve others. Friends, humble service is the road to true greatness. And in a world where we think, right, that greatness is about being noticed, what did Jesus say? It's not, a, it's not about getting noticed. It's about noticing other people. In a world where we think greatness is about what we get, Jesus says, no, it's about what you give. In a world where we think that greatness is about what I achieve, Jesus says, no, greatness comes from serving. Significance comes from service. Going what? Beyond our seats, you guys. Beyond our seats. The greatest blessings in your life are going to come from serving. That's what Jesus said, and I won't want you to miss what he said at the end of his discussion with the disciples in verse 17. Now that you know these things, you will be what? Blessed if you do them. That's God's call to me, you guys. That's God's call to you this next week. As we close, I, I do. I want you to picture yourself in that upper room for just another moment. Picture yourself. Visualize for a moment that Jesus is actually washing your feet. What are you feeling? <laughs> Maybe it's guilt. Maybe you're feeling, oh, this, this, this is me, and I bet a lot of you go, man, I'm, just, I'm not worthy. What are you doing? Who wouldn't feel that way? But can I go back to the first verse in this chapter? Do you remember what Jesus said? He said, Jesus showed the full extent of his love to his own. Church, can you hear this today? You are his own. You belong to Jesus. 
Here's what I'm going to ask you to do as, as we close, transition into worshiping our servant Lord. I'm actually going to ask you guys to stand up. Please. Go ahead. Get, get the stretch, right? Stretch. And I want you guys to hear this. And I'm going to try to just, I know you're already thinking about lunch, okay? I already know you're thinking about the football game. Just try to push that aside for a minute because I want you to hear this. And I want you to receive this and I want you to let it fill your heart. Listen to this. Do you know what Jesus says about you? He says, you are the light of the world. You are a child of God. He's talking about you. You are a friend of Christ. You can actually say, Jesus Christ is my best friend. You are chosen of God. You are adopted by God. You are an heir with Christ. Wrap your brain around that. That's who you are. Friends, listen to me. You are God's dwelling place. What did Pastor Brent talk about last week? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are a little building for God. I love that. (laughs) You are God's workmanship. I just have this feeling that right now there's someone in this room and you're feeling like, man, I I don't feel it. I feel pretty worthless, actually. Listen to me. You are God's workmanship. You are not an accident. You are a victorious new creation. That's what God says about you. What's my point in sharing these things? Listen, I want these things to fill you so much, you guys. It creates that motivation, that love, so that this week, when those people with dirty feet show up, you will serve them out of that motivation. Amen? Cool. Let's, let's continue by worshiping.